Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Sermon notes can be found online at grace417.com. To be back, uh, Heather and I were gone the last two weeks. We uh, were at our pastor's conference in Seattle. Uh, it's a yearly conference. Uh, this year is in Seattle. And uh, I want to bring greetings from our missionaries and from our uh, leaders that are in other nations that, that you guys know that come here and visit. Uh, they said, hi, I can't give you all their names because there's too many of them. But they all say hi. They all say, appreciate your support and all that you guys do to help them. And so I just want to greet you on behalf of them. It was a great conference. Uh, we, uh, we got some vacation time as well before and after. Um, we just had a great time exploring the Pacific Northwest and, and stopped. We, we found Heather. Heather's the, the, she can book travel like nobody I know. So she found us tickets from swinging through San Diego where our, our I would say our, our daughter and son-in-law, but really where our grandson lives. Um, she got us tickets to go home through San Diego for 20 bucks each. So that was like a no-brainer, Right. And so we've been in San Diego the last five days. We got home at 11 o'clock last night, and I rediscovered humidity. I forgot what it was, and it's in the Ozarks now. And, uh, yeah, and so I, I realize, you know, I tell stories about my uh, grandbaby, and I make fun of their dog. As you guys know, I do that often. I just did that a few weeks ago, and I found out my daughter does listen to my sermons, and she knows when I talk about her dog, so I'm going to have to stop doing that. But uh, So I just want to say hi to you, Maddie, and uh, as you're listening, but it's just so good to be back. We missed two weeks, and I feel like I haven't been here in months. I feel so disassociated, and this morning, I just lived a few blocks away. I was walking to church and just couldn't believe I hadn't been here for a few weeks, and I thought of the fact that some of you do that all the time, and I don't know how you do it. Like, how can you be out of church for more than a week because you just feel so out of sorts and discombobulated by not being in church every Sunday? So, um, so be here. Yeah, I mean, you are here, but, but keep being here, you know, unless you're out of town or whatever. Just, I'm telling you, it strengthens you, doesn't it? We need each other. We need, we, we do. Uh, Hebrews says to not forsake getting together with the brothers and sisters in Christ, even more so as the day of the Lord approaches, which means we need each other more and more every day. So we are starting a brand new series today. And uh, the name of the series is Judges, Broken Heroes. And so this is how this series came to be about. I want to set this up for you guys. As you guys know, um, if you, unless, you're our, unless you're our guest this morning, we've been doing a series in Joshua for most of the first part of this year. And so in my, just my Bible reading, when we finished Joshua, well, I wanted to know what's next, right? Because they moved into the promised land. Now what happens? And of course, I've read the book of Judges before, but I wanted to read it afresh and just rediscover what the people of God were doing because it was set up so well, right? They move in and it's set up like they're going to live happily ever after in the promised land, right? Wrong. It's not how it happens. And uh, so we're going to take the next probably six six weeks. We'll shoot for that. We're going to do a summer series, and, and so what I'm going to try and do is, because I know that, that you know, summer has travel, is have each sermon be its own, like, we're going to do a series, but each one's going to stand on its own, so that if you happen to miss one of the judges that we're going to talk about, uh, you can still 
you know, here they can still get it on the website, but you won't miss the whole series. You won't miss, won't miss all that. They'll be freestanding. So I just wanted to let you guys know that that's what we're going to be doing. So we're going to watch a video this morning. Um, it's by the same people. We watched a video when we did the book of, J- of Joshua. It's by the Bible Project. It's a great group of scholars. And in seven minutes, I know it's a long video, but you're going to love it. It's going to go by fast. In seven minutes, they're going to be able to explain uh, the book of Judges in such a way that it would take me several hours to. So we're going to vote this morning, okay? Option one is a seven-minute video, and option two is a two-hour historical explanation of the book of Judges, okay? So we're going to vote. So who would like to watch a video this morning? It's unanimous. Okay, so let's roll the video. Interesting, huh? Wow. Wow. You don't think that violence, rape, murder, brutality, deceit do not seem to be the material for developing the story of salvation, does it? That's, that's, that's not what you would really think. The themes of the Bible, of God's salvation, of loving well and living well, we would expect the characters to, to be men and women of good, um, of good character, of noble um, means, of, of, of good motives. So for me... As I've read this, and as you've watched this video, it's kind of like, wow, right? It's shocking to look and to see um, what you find. Um, it wouldn't bother us so much if these were used as negative examples. Um, we are, the author of the video did kind of put them in different categories. Um, but as you read the text, there's really not much commentary on... Um, the, the author doesn't really give you a lot of commentary on whether you know, how good or bad they really are. It's really more matter of fact. It's really just more matter of fact. It's, 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 that's the tone of it. It's almost as if God is saying, well, if this is all you're going to give me to work with, I'll use these men and women just as they are and get on with working out the story of salvation. And so that's what we see. That's why we call this story broken heroes, because they're not judges, as the video said, like with a gavel. A better word for us might be leaders. These were leaders that God used. And, and in fact, what's interesting is that they're, even in their stories, they're given a certain level of dignity. Um, they're not for vilification or for lapooning. That's not really the point. Um, I think our video is actually a little bit harder on them than, than, than I would take a stance. But it is, it's, it's, what, the, what some of them did was just, was just brutal. And we're going we're gonna to dive into some of this. Eugene Peterson has influenced me a lot um, in regard to, he's an Old Testament a scholar. Um, and so he's influenced me a lot on Old Testament biblical theology. I want to read to you this quote of his. God, it turns out, does not require good people in order to do good work. He can and does work with us in whatever moral and spiritual condition he finds us. God, we are learning, does some of his best work using the most unlikely people. And so when I read the book of Judges, I don't read it in such a way of, wow, they were really bad. I read it in such a way of, wow, if God can use them, then there's hope for me. That's what the book of Judges tells me, that if God can use them, then God can use even me. He can use even me. And so for me, reading about the failures, reading about the brokenness is so good for me because in my mind, I'm usually thinking about how I'm not good enough 
to be used by God. And when we talk about the term good enough, usually we categorize it in one or two ways. One of those ways is good enough behaviorally or morally. Well, I'm not good enough. I don't have my act together enough to be used by God. And the other is qualified. Well, I'm not qualified to do that. I don't, I, I, there's no way. I, that's, that's, that's above me. That's beyond me. And so we use that to really disengage or step away from being the leaders that God has called us to be. And because we don't feel like we're, we're, we're not good enough. Now, that's not to say that as we read the book of Samson that we say, well, at least I'm not as bad as Samson, right? I mean, that's not the attitude that, I, that I'm talking about. But if we wait until we're perfect by our standards to be used by God, we're never going to qualify. And so for me, I take great courage in knowing that in Christ Jesus, as I'm in Him, that, I, that His righteousness is now my righteousness. That I'm seated in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus. And that, and that I'm, I'm there with Him and that I'm victorious in Him. That I'm the, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm more of a conqueror in Him and Him in me. And, and, and so, but we live, in this, we live in this difficult place because the kingdom of God is here. It is among us, but it's not fully established and extended completely yet. And so we find ourselves in this reality of here, not yet. And, and we see this with the people of, of Israel. Joshua had, had taken them into the promised land, but they had not yet possessed the promised land. And there's a difference here. In fact, I even have a slide that says take, and I know it's out of order, sorry, Rachel. Um, I, but it says take verse promise, possess, or possessing, possesses. And so they've taken the land, they, they've, they've moved in, they've occupied it, as we studied in the book of Joshua, but they've not yet possessed it. They don't have all of it. They haven't, they haven't taken complete authority over it yet. And so for me, I, I see so much application as I set up the book of Judges today, of, of two areas, okay? So one area is like, is, and it's similar to the book of Joshua we studied, that God has an inheritance, He has a promise for us, He has a future for us, He has a destiny for you, He has authority for you, He has a calling on your life, He has a future for you that He has intended. Anybody believe that? He has that. But a lot of us are like the children of Israel. We've stepped into it but not fully yet. We've made progress, but we don't possess it all yet. We're not all there yet. We don't all have it all yet. We haven't fully, His work in us is not completed in that area. We haven't done all that He's asked us to do. And so, and so for me, it's, to me this is encouragement to go for it in the Lord. To possess all that He has provided. That I don't just take ground, but I possess the ground. Does that make sense? And so what we're going to study in these book, in, this, in these chapters of this book is their interactions with the culture around them. And they didn't possess it. They, they left. They didn't take care of some stuff. And in our life, there's some stuff that needs to be taken care of. And, 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 and I'm thankful that we have an example here of, of what this is like. An author Paul Sohn says this, In God's economy, our weakness is one of our greatest assets. Our weaknesses are actually some of our greatest assets because in our weakness, He is made strong. And so when I read about these broken heroes 
Because guys, we're all broken, right? I mean, we're complete in Jesus, but we're not all fixed, like all completely out yet, right? It's that here but not fully yet reality, that tension that we find ourselves living in. This is another quote by Eugene Peterson. Uh, He says this, If God found a way to significantly include these leaders who are called judges in what we know is on its way to becoming a glorious conclusion, right? Because it leads all the way up to Jesus, His coming, uh, the restoration of the kingdom of God, the church, all of us. It's all the fully coming of, of Christ, the second coming. It's all part of the story. He can certainly use us along with our sometimes impossible friends and neighbors. Right? And sometimes we discount that. And we have, we'll even have issues of, well, how could God use them? They're messed up. And we become hypocritical. We become judgmental. We become legalistic. That our sense of justice, of why God would use some people and not others, doesn't always make sense to us. But I'll tell you who I can be responsible for, and that's me. To say, Lord, here I am. I want to make myself available. And so my goal is to cover chapter 1 in five minutes. How do I do this, Lord? I heard Hannah was short last week. I heard she was right, spot on. It was awesome. So I'm going to take her time that she left on the table (laughs) last week. Thank you, Pastor Hannah. All right. So I want to encourage you guys to do something, okay? Would you guys bring your Bibles, a paper or electronic, for, during this series? Because it's going to make your life so much easier. So open up to Judges chapter 1, okay? I'm going to cover a few verses. Judges chapter 1. I'm going to read out the message. A time came after the death of Joshua. So there's two introductions to the book of Judges, chapter 1 and chapter 2. They kind of overlap some. So when you're reading them, you're like, I thought that already happened. Well, it's two introductions. So a time came after the death of Joshua when the people of Israel asked God, who will take the lead in going up against the Canaanites to fight them? And God said, Judah will go. I've given the land to him. Him meant the tribe, the tribe of Judah. And probably Caleb. You remember Joshua and Caleb? Caleb was of the tribe of Judah. He was probably the one leading the tribe. Uh, we read a few weeks ago about it. He said, give me that hill I want it. It's mine. So he was probably leading the charge here. And so th- it looks like they start off good, doesn't it? Joshua's died. They start off well. They go to the Lord. Who's going to lead us? And he says, Joshua will lead you. Because they've, they've taken the land, but now they need to possess the land. All right? So verse 3. The men of Judah said to those of their brother Simeon. So they go to the tribe of Simeon. Hey, will you help us go fight our battles, and we'll go help you fight your battles? So they do it together. And Simeon, he went with them. And so they went up, and they gave... They gave the Canaanites and the Perizzites, they defeated them at Bezek, 10 military units, which means 10,000 people. So these two tribes defeated 10,000 people. So I want you to, I want you to catch verse 5 through 7. It's, it's real important. It says, so they caught up with my master Bezek. That's how um, message translates it. Yours probably says Adonai Bezek, which means master or Lord Bezek. Uh, there and fought him. So he was their tribal leader. They smashed the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the And my master Bezak ran, but they gave chase and caught him. And they cut off his thumbs and big toes. Anybody say, ouch. Yeah. And this is what their king said. Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to crawl under my table, scavenging. Now God has done to me what I did to them. 
And they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. Now, if you just read this real casually, it's easy to say, well, he got what he had coming to him, didn't he? He did that to 70 other kings. It serves him right. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? Well, it's actually not how really we should really look at this because if we look at what their instructions always were to the kings or for what them to do with the kings, they're always supposed to just right away and take care of it and take care of it. And they didn't. And we talked about in Joshua, so I'm not going to repeat that. But because the picture here, and if you haven't listened to Joshua series, go back and listen to some of the first ones because it'll give you context for this as well, uh, theologically. But they would rep, they're representing sin. You saw the moral corruption, child sacrifice. They were influencing Israel the wrong way. So they were supposed to deal with them swiftly. The application for us is that we deal with sin swiftly, those things that take us away from God swiftly. And, but they didn't do that. You know what they actually did? They actually used Canaanite wisdom and philosophy. They said, well, what they do to their enemies is they cut off their thumbs and big toes and they leave them in prison or they, they parade them around. We'll do that as well. And so I believe what the text is saying, basically he, he rotted in jail in Jerusalem. He was there till he died. They were not obedient to what the Lord said. They followed the wisdom of the world. And the very first few verses of this chapter, we see when what we're gonna, what's going to be laid out is that they began to coexist with the culture around them in such a way that there was no difference. They began to coexist with those things that were against God, those things that competed for the worship of God in such a way that there was no distinction. And they actually lost themselves in the process. And so what we learn from this is to be the distinct people of God, to follow His voice, to listen to Him, to tend to His Word, to keep our heart set on Him. So these same things don't happen to us. Corinthians tells us we have all of these accounts so that we'll learn and not repeat the same mistakes. All right? So verse 16, I'm going to skip some, read it on your own, read chapters 1 and 2 this week, okay? But skip down to verse 16. It says, the people of Hobab, the Canaanite, Moses' relative, um, went up with the people of Judah from the city of Palms, we'll just call it Palm Springs, to the wilderness of Judah at the descent of Arid, and there they settled down with the Amalekites, who were their enemies. They settled down. They settled with their enemies. And we know we don't wrestle, friends, against flesh and blood, right? We're not talking about people. We're not talking about political parties here, right? We're talking about power, principalities. This is a New Testament application. There are things working around us that are contrary to the Spirit of God. And we have to be people that do not settle down with that, okay? Judges chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. We're just skipping flying through this. But Judah didn't manage to capture Gaza, Ashkelon, and Ekron with their territories. God was certainly with Judah in that they took over the hill country. Okay, so they got some, but catch this verse. But they couldn't oust the people on the plain because they had iron chariots. All right? But do you remember what Joshua 11.6 said? Because we covered it a few months ago. God said to Joshua, don't worry about them. This time tomorrow, I'll hand them over to Israel all dead. You'll hamstring their horses and you'll set, their, you'll set fire to their chariots. 
So when you read this account in Judges 1.19, you think, oh, well, that makes sense why they couldn't win. They had superior military technology. The technology was greater. That's why they couldn't influence. That's why they couldn't impact. Because there was greater technology. And you could justify it. But the truth is, God is greater than any technology. Right? The, the iron chariots of Egypt, which were used to try to, to go after the children of Israel when they were taken out of Egypt, actually became their demise because they got stuck in the river. And the Red Sea, right, when it covered, that great sea when it got covered. And so as I read about, just for me, just the application was how technology, here it was military, and technology itself is not bad, right? We're thankful for technology. We're using technology. Technology is good. But we can use technology as an excuse for not having complete victory in our life. Technology can actually work against us i promise you this week when I, I was in probably one of the most beautiful spots in the world in coronado california right out san diego my son-in-law stationed there he's in the navy we we're in a beautiful 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 place looking at water and i look out and almost every single person's looking down at a phone and i'm like what in the world is going on nuts it's so pretty. And they're all looking at what other people are doing, where other people are at. And there's a complication because of technology and our culture that we could use as excuse. That we could say, well, I couldn't get victory in my life because of this or whatever it might be. But I'm telling you, God is greater than any technology. That He has victory for us in whatever area of life that He's called us to. Judges 1, 33-36. Naphtali fared no better. And I'm, I'm cutting out so much, guys. Naphtali fared no better. They couldn't drive out the people of Beth Shamish or Beth Anish, so they just moved in and lived with them. Isn't that how it is sometimes? We just settle. We couldn't, we could, we could, we, we couldn't get up. We know God has more for us. We know He's calling us to more. Even in areas of maybe holiness in our life, of living pure. We know there's more. But you know what? We just get tired, right? And so we just settle. We just settle. And the Lord's saying, let's don't just settle. Let's don't settle. That He has victory for us. And it's not in our own strength. If we ever think it's in our own strength, we'll totally miss it. And we'll, we'll be like the children of Israel. The strength is our strength is found in the Lord. But they just moved in and they lived and they just lived with them. They just lived in that condition. Let us walk away from the stories of let's don't live in that condition. And then it says, they did though. Put them to forced labor. So they had enough strength to make them slaves, right? Kind of a cop-out, isn't it? But not to really, really get rid of them. There was compromise. There was compromise. They tried to channel and make... They tried to profit. They tried to make their life better because of their compromise. I wonder if we ever do that. I just wonder. We see it again in verse 34 and 35 and other, other tribes the exact same way. It says, when the house of Joseph got the upper hand, verse 36, they were put to forced labor. They were put to forced labor. And so what we're going to see in this, in this book is we're going to see God use imperfect people. And my heart, my prayer, is that we will, we will be able to apply that to our own life and we'll have strength and we'll have courage. And I want to hit on that verse 
uh, I have listed twice, the video's listed four times, that said at that time there was no king in Israel. The people did whatever they felt like doing because there was no king in Israel. These people did whatever they want. I, what this is talking about is a military, military king. A mili- there was not a military king, and so they're saying that was the reason. But there was a king in Israel. God was the king of Israel. Sovereign Lord was king over Israel. And they were missing the point. They were missing the point. And then we know that the video said this is a setup for King David. And this is a verse that I read in my devotions a few weeks ago, and I've been just living on this verse, just meditating on it. And it's 1 Kings 14, 9. You'd put this final verse up. And speaking of David, who would be the king, who would be their shepherd, saving king. My servant David, who did what I told him and lived from his undivided heart, pleasing me. That was the key to David's success. And if the people of Israel, if the judges, if the leaders that we're going to, and some of them did, okay? Some of them did, but we see that progression in the video. Guys, that is the secret sauce right there. That if we'll do what He tells us to do, if we'll love Him with an undivided heart, we'll be pleasing to Him. Because what happened is the people of Israel's heart became divided with the cultures around them, and they worshiped the gods of the cultures around them, the idols, the false gods, the fake gods of the, of, the, of the cultures around them, and they missed out on God and on God's best. And so my heart's cry, my prayer this morning, my prayer this morning is that we will serve God with an undivided heart. We'll serve Him completely with everything that's within us. And that we will possess everything that He has called us to in Jesus' name. Would you guys bow your heads? Lord, that's my prayer this morning. That's my prayer, Lord. Lord, that our hearts would be undivided, Lord. Lord, that You'd show us, Lord, in this series, Lord, idols and and things that have our attention, our affection, Lord, that are other than you, Lord. And Lord, through this, Lord, you would, we would be having an undivided heart for you, Lord. King Jesus of our heart and of our lives. I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust that this teaching made a difference in your life. If you would like more information on giving your life to Jesus, visit us on the web at grace417.com. Thank you for joining us and we pray you have a blessed day.